0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: All right, Brad, consider yourself lucky. There are hockey gods looking out for you because I had a whole segment, like subsections and bits and side jabs. I was going to get a clown hired and everything for a harassed Brad with hypothetical bad Pierre-Luc Dubois to Detroit trades and they the hockey gods have graced you with the mercy of him being traded before this episode so I don't know what you did to deserve this but you cashed in a lot of good luck this weekend my friend
2: no I don't want to cash in any of the good luck
1: I need it for about 20 minutes from now (laughs) (laughs) Brad's uh Brad's Buffalo Bills are in the conference championship. Okay, look, I, I actually should say this now. We're recording at about just before six thirty p.m. Eastern on Sunday night, and um, I tweeted this, and I've already gotten some angry responses. But look, it's been a it's been a garbage weekend for Detroit sports fans in so many ways. Um, I'm not going to stop crying, literally crying about you know the news that Matt, the expected news, but still the news that Matt Stafford's going to leave, and having to watch what we did uh with detroit and chicago on friday and again today was abysmal um just a garbage weekend all around but watching the packers beat themselves and lose in the conference championship i know there's a lot of red wings packers fans a lot of you are suffering with that condition and to you guys know that this is coming from a lions fan so before you get too upset by it i have literally no ground to stand on but i say it sparks joy and it made the weekend a little better
2: I mean, when you have a fourth and goal with about two minutes left, down by eight, and you decide to kick a field goal, you deserve to lose that game. They never got the ball back because their awful defense continued
1: to be awful. It's it's what you deserved. You, when you have an MVP-led offense and you do that, I pff, I'm sorry. Also... Aaron Rodgers is a more mobile, mobile quarterback. He could have ran, ran that in on third down.
2: Yes, yeah, we we had it on in the background at work about ten minutes before we left, and uh, we we there was only three of us there, but we all were like, "Why did you even attempt that pass?"
1: Uh, anyways, for all of you listening who are Packers fans. Um, as you're getting angry at me for bringing this up because I know there's a blown call or something at the end, uh, just think of all the times you've made me read out Go Packers on this podcast in the overtime section. So, (laughs) Uh, There is a lot to dissect in this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast that isn't so positive. Um, I (laughs) I liked our little streak of positivity, but as today unfolded, I went, oh, no, 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 no. This might not be a very happy episode. So,
2: it's I a happy know. episode because I get to analyze the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade and it's not involving the Red Wings.
1: Yeah, that's about the extent of it. And that's yeah. a fun trade too. Oh, it's a um, very fun trade. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm in a hurry.
0: And I'm Evan.
1: Um, <laughs> what do you guys, <laughs> in a hurry, it'll be up to you what we want to do first. Do you want to talk about the games or do you want to talk about the trade first? Let's talk about the trade. That's more fun. I literally just watched a spider crawl up its web to the ceiling on Brad's screen. I'm not kidding. There was a spider on like the top right of your screen.
0: So that would be my <laughs> left?
1: Yeah, and it just like, it, it wound up the web. For those of you on YouTube, rewind like 10 seconds and look at the top right. That sums
0: up our friendships completely right there. It's 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 enough friendship to warn him after the fact. Yes. But not yeah. enough to be like, oh my God, watch 100%. it.
1: 100%. <laughs> There's
0: just
2: Roof there. Why can I not see him?
0: Dangerous yes. spider.
1: Anyways, this will be Brad's last episode on the podcast, Death by Spider Incoming. Or next episode, I will literally be Spider-Man. Oh God, that'd be so annoying if you're a Spider-Man. You would be the most annoying Spider-Man. Anyways, what did you choose? Pierre-Luc Dubois or the games? I said Dubois because that's more fun. Dubois. Okay. Um, The Pierre-Luc Dubois rumors heated up very fast after he sat essentially an entire game. He played four minutes in the first period on like Thursday or something. And uh, Thursday or Friday, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible shift or first period for him. He had a shift where he essentially just didn't do anything. Coasted, gave zero effort out there. Um, Just bad hockey. And he got sat for the rest of the game by Tortorella. That sparked a fire. The tr- the uh, trade rumors heated up. Detroit, again, was rumored to be one of the teams in on him that was circling back. Um, but it turned out that Winnipeg had the best offer that held, which was um, Line a and Roslovic for uh, Dubois and a third round pick.
2: Yep. Um, happy it's over. Weird that we call it the Dubois trade because I actually think Line is the better player, but we'll get into that. Um, after reading a lot of reactions, I th- I think I'm in the heavy minority here, not even small like heavy minority that I thought Columbus won this trade pretty comfortably actually, especially considering the hard spot they were put in. Like Winnipeg obviously had Roslovic and Liney demanding trades as well. Um but Liney was still playing with a good attitude. There wasn't any, well, the one game he played before he got hurt, but he even his last play as a pick Jet was an overtime winner. That just dawned on me. Anyways, um, he's a even in his inconsistencies a forty goal score that one season where he he was up and down the whole time. Still put up about forty, and that doesn't grow on trees. And then you throw in Ross Livick as well for Pierre Luc Dubois. I know the third round picks a, a kicker going back the other way, but that's a ten percent chance at a even a bottom four NHLer. or so. Man, I think Yarmo came out like a bandit here, given what the situation he was put in. Now, that being said, both teams were in an impossible situation. Superstar players demanding trades and Winnipeg got a, a good piece. Like Dubois is going to fill in on their second line center very well. I mean, they are so deep down down the middle now. And that's always critical. Um, I don't know. Trade made sense for both teams. But from a value standpoint, I just I love this trade for Columbus.
1: It should be added that um, Winnipeg did retain 26% of line A's salary. So that's just over 1.75 million that they retained on the deal. It
2: sounds like a bigger deal than it is when you until you remember that line A's deal ends this year. Yeah. Still a restricted free agent under team control after that. But yeah, that's not a ton of salary
1: retained. So, I don't know. I I think you're right, Brad, in that Columbus got great value here for a player who's demanding a trade. In the system, in the way where Columbus handles trade requests, like whole, Tortorella's whole, you know, when a guy wants a trade request, he puts it out in the open, and we're very honest open room. Like I don't, after the third time that happens, I just I don't buy that as a team thing. I buy, I I think that's a Tortorella trying to like ostracize the guy kind of thing. And I've, I've had a lot of good things to say about Tortorella in his time with Columbus. Um, And I still think that shouldn't be overlooked, but I just, Dubois value can't have been as high as it should have been because of how public this whole ordeal was. And when you have a player publicly demanding a trade, and then when everyone is losing their minds over a shift, it was a bad shift, but it was one shift. Like I, I you can't write off the player because of it. I'm impressed that Yarmo got the value that he did. Um, it was kind of a perfect storm of sorts because the whole line a departure from Winnipeg thing has been rumored for some time and it was kind of a known secret that those two weren't getting along and that wasn't destined to be a long-term managed or marriage so yeah I mean if you can turn Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third into a like a game-breaking goal scorer when he's on his game in line a as well as Jack Rosovic like good for you that that's we can debate the value for either team, and I think this makes sense for either team in, in, in a lot of ways. But yeah, Jarmo Kekalainen has shown again to to be able to get value. Um, keeping line A will be integral in maintaining that value, though, because if you gave up Dubois for one year line A or, or however much longer until he leaves, then eh, well, that's different. Dubois is only under a two-year
2: contract. I don't know why that was such a huge talking point. They're both restricted free agents at the end of their contract. So the team can... Keep them however long they'd like, and if they demand trades, well, you get value out of that trade at that point then. Um, Circling back to the one point you talked about, though, I'm I'm not buying into this Tortorella thing at all. Even if you're right and he's putting Dubois on blast, I'm fine with that. I mean, I I try to put myself in the shoes of Dubois' teammate in this scenario. Of course, everybody's going to put on a good face and be friendly and... Nobody's going to be like throwing shit at Dubois. As he's trying to put his gear on, or you know, cutting his stick in half so he goes out and falls on it and warm up. Like none of that crap, obviously. But if if I had a teammate who was demanding a trade, and it wasn't for some blatantly obvious reason, like when Travis Hamonic demanded a trade out of the Islanders because he wanted to get back to Canada to be closer to his family. Fine, like I I'll never fault a guy for that, but Dubois wanting out for a bigger stage. If I'm looking if I'm his teammates in there, I'm thinking, what, you think you're too good for us? What's wrong with what we have here? Again, I wouldn't this is not stuff I would ever say to Dubois or I wouldn't even make it toxic, but if I I'm a teammate, that doesn't sit well with me. Unless you have a damn good reason to not want to be here why don't you want to be here? What What's wrong with us? What's wrong with this team? Because if you want a good NHL team, you have to be willing to go to hell and back for your teammates. So whether or not Dubois putting out an effort, that's a debate that I'm not getting into. He had a bad shift. It happens. Who cares? But I need to be able to trust my teammates when I'm on the ice. And If I was one of Dubois teammates, that wouldn't have been there as soon as that trade demand went out. Well,
1: what's wrong with the team is that it exists within Ohio, and so that should be less than enough as to
0: why he wanted out. <laughs> well, they'll both be used to playing in desolate wastelands. Yeah. So it's not, not that much of a transition.
2: What well, was the one tweet? Uh, Dubois wanted out of Ohio, so he got sent to Canadian Ohio, and Line a wanted out of Manitoba, so he got sent
1: to American Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even sure that's accurate, but it's, it's just not. close enough to be funny.
2: Yeah. Oh, it. it it's close enough that it, it, we don't need to nitpick here
1: yeah um, look I, I don't I part of this has been like the the downplaying of Dubois as a player and I know Brad you're not entirely high on him and I think that's where we come in differently. I still think. A 22 year old center with Dubois abilities. Like, yeah, sure, this season, like the start of the season, didn't go uh, the same as the way uh, it did in the bubble for him, where he just completely was lights out. Um, But that's a great get. Like, you do not have that asset on the market a lot. And I have to applaud Winnipeg. It's a tough trade to make giving up Line and Rostovic. But if you're going to give those guys up and you get a top center who's young and cap controlled, like, that's a good haul.
2: So, again, yeah, I I differ. I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a bad player. I mean, he's a 0.7 career points per game player with bad defensive metrics. I mean, I know because he's big, he gets labeled as a two-way center. I mean, the underlying numbers so far say that isn't the case in his career. Uh, He is a good play driver offensively, though, and and that 0.7 points per game seems to be lower than where it should be relative to what he's generating, which part of that probably has to do with not having a great supporting cast in Columbus. And he's obviously going to get that in Winnipeg because they've got forwards coming out the ass. So I'm I'm curious because I do expect to see some improvement from Dubois here. Again, I, to me that doesn't equate a 40 goal score. If the trade was Dubois for line a straight up, I still favor uh, Columbus in this deal. Roslovich's just, uh, the cherry on top, but I mean positional need gets overvalued in the draft in trades in the n h l in general. The number one rule should be acquire talent, figure out the rest however you have to. If you can trade uh for a better player, but he 's at a let lower position of need, get the better player because then you can trade the better player for another better player at a different position that you need right like if it doesn't work out in Columbus, are they going to be upset if they flip line A for a top two defenseman? No, of course not. So, I don't know. And, and again, I, I saw some people saying on Twitter that goals are overrated, which is odd to me. Like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand the context they were getting at. But, I mean, 40 goal scores don't grow on trees. Look at the Red Wings power play right now. Just just put Patrick Laine on uh, out there right now. Even with the Garbage system that the Red Wings have, and that power play goes up three, four percent just with him sitting on that off wing. So yeah, again, I it makes sense for Winnipeg. I'm just from a value standpoint. I'm I'm gonna argue Columbus here because I don't I think Pierre Luc Dubois is not better than Larkin. And Larkin, we've had debates for years. Is he a true number one center on a cup contender? The counter argument to that when we talked about in context with Detroit is if you have two of those, then yeah, and that's fair. But obviously, he didn't go to Detroit and he went to a deep center team. But are you trading a possible perennial 40 goal score for a guy who's going to play on your second line? To me, no. And I understand that line A sometimes played on Winnipeg's second line. So it's kind of a moot point. But again, Winnipeg stacks. So they're not the every team comparison. So I don't know. I don't have super strong feelings about this trade one way or another, but it is what it is.
1: Well, line a will fit into Columbus really well. Cause he'll be, his ping will be, will be way better in Fortnite, closer to those East coast servers <laughs> have a way better time. Yeah. I'm, the, just... uh, if
2: I'm Patrick line a right
0: now. My number one question is who the hell is getting me the puck? Well, oh, uh, number one center, franchise center, Max Domi. <laughs>
1: Unironically, you have to be happy that they brought them in if you're Columbus, right? Because who else is there? Roslevic. Roslevic. Yeah, that's it. Um, They're going to have to figure out their center depth. But hey, it's not like they had a lot to say in this matter. It's become a, a, a trend with Columbus. Look i joke about ohio whatever there's tons of players who play in you know non-traditional markets or or smaller markets who don't want to leave on mass and for them to lose the star talent that they have over the past few years columbus has to figure out what the hell's going on and they need to fix it because they cannot afford to keep doing this at some point they're going to run out of runway and they are going to crash and ruin what should have been a contending r- window because all of their star players want to leave um what that could be, the obvious answer here, a lot of people jump to is John Tortorella. Is he, you know, pushing guys out of the room? I don't think I've seen enough to say that Tortorella has become an issue in a locker room again. Um, he has that history. Yeah. Um, a big test of that is to, is going to be how Patrick Line is going to fit in. Patrick Laine has had, despite being a 40-goal pace goal scorer since he's come into the NHL, um, he's had questions about his effort. He's been hot and cold. Uh, there's been questions about him buying into the team system. He's clashed with with uh, you know management and coaches, whatever it might be. Not to a dramatic degree, but that's kind of why he was on the outs in Winnipeg, because teams typically don't trade 40-goal scorers. Um, how he and Tortorella get along and what Tortorella is able to get out of line is going to say a lot about his standing in that locker room and his future with Columbus, in my mind.
2: Yeah, and uh, a, a few former players have come out in support of Tortorella since that narrative uh, has been thrown around since the uh, trade was made. They're like, yeah, he's tough, but like, you want to run through a wall for the guy. So, you know, if if you can't handle... Tough love, what are you doing in the NHL getting paid millions of dollars to play hockey? Scotty Bowman was the same way, and he's viewed as the greatest coach in the history of hockey. So, you know, I don't buy that he's tough is a bad thing. And let's not forget, people criticize Line for his two way game and his play away from the puck. And last season it was noticeably improved. So he's a guy who's willing to listen to instruction. I I understand before that he was labeled a floater and lazy, and in a lot of ways it, it looked very accurate. He he flipped the switch on that. Not that he's ever going to win a Selkie or, or run a bunch of guys through the wall, but it was noticeable. And the numbers backed it up. The eye test backed it up. So I'm not buying this. Oh, Patrick Line and John Tortorella. Yuck, yuck, yuck. They're going to hate each other. Not buying it. Not even for a second. John Tortorella won a Stanley Cup with Vincent LeCavalier, who had the same
0: reputation early in his career. Don't buy it. Nice thing about Tortorella is he lets his players know exactly where they stand. There is no bullshit. It's just this is what he, he just tells you straight up. And if you don't like it, well, that's too bad. You're a professional. Deal with it. He doesn't do the, the bullshit. It's it's some guys like that. Some guys don't. And I bet if you get on John Tortorella's bad side, it's not fun. Um, so score 40 goals yeah
1: <laughs> brad is that a mika tantrum going on in the background or is that hank hank does not want to go to bed right now well it's six forty-five. who would want to the bills are
0: playing i'm Why ready for bed i played You're- two hours of pond hockey today i'll be in a body cast tomorrow <laughs> Where d- which one did you go to um well <laughs> this is gonna be a classic evanism a friend of a friend of mine has a private lake yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Piss off bro who is this guy yeah, it was uh pretty sweet. But yeah, know, body bag.
1: We know more about deep space than we know about Evan. I'm convinced. <laughs> we know we've mapped more of the ocean floor than we have of Evan's psyche. Um okay. I'm going to jump us over to the Red Wings. They're two games against uh Chicago and their latest little mini series that capped off today. And I'm going to start off with a a little not rant, just a statement here. For any Red Wings fans who thought that this season would be uh, highlighted with constant wins and actual competition for a playoff spot and dominant fun hockey every game, I'm sorry, but you were wrong and your expectations were way off. For Red Wings, I'm still going, for Red Wings players and the Red Wings coaching staff to put out the effort that they did over the past two games and think that that effort is worthwhile of the fans eyes and uh, worthy of any expectations this season they are also wrong we don't need the Red Wings to be dominant this season but the team has to do a lot better a hell of a lot better than they, they did over than they did a hell of a lot better than they did over the last 120 minutes of play it was sad it was mostly sad there were, ve- there were small spurts of, you know, oh, this is actually not bad or that player did well or this line's actually turning up okay. But overall, what a pathetic effort from the Red Wings against both games or in both games against the Blackhawks. And the number one excuse I saw
2: from fans who are trying to justify it was, oh yeah, well, they have five players on the COVID list, including Robbie Fabry, Philip Zedina and John Merrill. And yeah, the, the Ernie and Gagne are pretty inconsequential. They were playing on the fourth line before it went down fine. O- obviously missing Fabry and Zadina and Merrill is going to hinder the Red Wings hugely. Nobody's going to argue that point. Here's the thing. Uh, the Red Wings were a bad team to begin with. So losing those three makes them worse. The Chicago Blackhawks were a bad team to begin with. And they were missing Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc. Are you trading Doc and Tays for Zedina, Fabry, and Merrill if you're the Red Wings? Yes, a thousand times out of a thousand. So, I'm sorry. That's not an excuse. There was no aspect in the game of hockey in either of these games where the Red Wings were even competent. It was pitiful. Uh, The defense was lost. The offense didn't generate anything. The goaltending was fine, which is a big downgrade from where it was the first four games. And the coaching was non-existent. Like it started right from Friday night when the lineup got released. They were doing that garbage 11 forward seven defenseman thing, even though they recalled Giovanni Smith and the lines were all jumbled and you could tell the forwards couldn't get a rhythm because they didn't know who they were playing with shift a goddamn shift. And the defense were all over the place and you could tell out of sync and whatever. When you lose five guys to COVID, that's going to happen. You'd like to have seen a proper lineup at that point, whatever. You think you'd learn your lesson the next game? Nope. It took till game six before we saw top six forward Luke
0: Glendening. Just that may just, actually be a record, though.
2: Like, uh, yeah, for longest it's taken. Yeah, honestly, but it's it's comic comical how bad the ratings were. Again, if these two games happened as they did, but to the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's still unacceptable. But I don't think anybody's freaking out right now. This was maybe the next worst team in the NHL to the Red Wings, and and the Red Wings made them look
1: like a cup contender. They had let in not an average of five goals over the last four games. Literally every one of the last four games the Chicago Blackhawks had played before they played Detroit, they let in five goals. 20 goals in four games, and Detroit managed three in the next two against them. That I'm sorry, that is not okay.
2: No, and it's easy to blame the players, and... Don't get me wrong the players shoulder a lot of this because the effort was outside of Larkin and Bertuzzi. I'd say lackadaisical would be kind. Um, there was a handful of other players like Brome and Glenn who You, you can tell we're moving, but let's be honest, as much as we've been on the Brome hype train, he's, he's not a game changer. So if he's one of the very few guys you have going, you're not winning that game. um, and again, I'm going to get into this now cuz I know it was I was, it was all the rage on Twitter and I sure as hell was fueling the fire. You fueling a fire? Weird, right? <laughs> again, it's easy to react, overreact 6 games in, but I've been banging this drum for 3 years, so I I'm not overreacting. There's no reason Jeff Blashill should be the coach of the Red Wings anymore. And before this sounds too cold and harsh, I understand Jeff Blashill is probably a smart dude, a good guy. Everybody, everybody who's ever met Jeff Blashill has absolutely nothing but nice things to say about him. That is fine. And I hate seeing people get fired. We look at this as a, uh, are entertainment which it is and these players are just video game characters and the coaches are video game characters they don't matter so jeff blasha losing his job is a very real thing happening to a very real person and that sucks but in the end this is a business and this team has progressively gotten worse every year that he's been there again look at the roster understandable this was a year we should have seen significant improvement we were cautiously optimistic after the first four games because out of those four games they had one game where i think we can safely say they were the better team now columbus and carolina two good teams so okay yeah they were they had two bad games one decent game and one good game and they came out two and two we're happy that Might have been Carolina and Columbus just being rusty. That could have been Columbus in turmoil because Dubois was still on the team there. So that was a very uneasy room. Who knows what happened there? These two games just put a big old spotlight on everything that's wrong with the Red Wings. Defensive zone positioning is a train wreck. There is no breakout. There is no transition game. I I sent out a, a tweet that probably sounded sarcastic today, but it was literal. I wanted to criticize the Red Wing systems in all three zones about, you know, their defensive zone positioning, their offensive cycle, especially their transition game. I literally can't figure out what it is. I have figured out that they really, really like the short side straight up the boards pass to a forward standing still. And I have figured out they love... I'm not even going to call it the dump and chase because there's not really much of a chase. It's pass to a stationary forward in the neutral zone. He dumps it in. Other team retrieves the puck. Every once in a while, we get lucky and Larkin or Bertuzzi or whoever just kind of has a good rush by themselves and they get a zone entry and the Red Wings get some pressure. Very few and far between, but some. So it's easy to say this team is bad and that's why... So it's not on blast Hill. I'm not buying it. The penalty kill sucks. That's on coaching. The power play sucks. That's on coaching. Prashanth had a whole thread with pictures and illustrations of why the Red Wings power play sucks. There's no passing lanes. There's no movement. It's poor positioning, poor strategy, a thousand percent coaching. Everything he pointed out was a coaching error. Not having a recognizable breakout is a coaching problem. Playing nothing but chip and chase hockey is a coaching problem. You can argue, well, yeah, they don't have the talent to play anything other than a chip and chase. I don't care. The chip and chase isn't working. Try something else. If they try the Russian five style of possession hockey and it doesn't work, all right, fine. You tried it. It didn't work. Try something else. Let let the players determine what works and what doesn't like they've been running the same stupid bullshit umbrella with a dedicated net front on the power play for years. It hasn't worked. The Red Wings have good net front power play players. It doesn't work. Try something else. This uh, I don't passive is not the right word, but they have a very low aggression defensive philosophy. It doesn't work. At some point Something has to change. And guess what? The roster's not getting better. It did get better on the offseason, but three to four of the six games so far this year hasn't looked better. At worst, two. The Red Wings last year looked like a somewhat competent team at least every third game. So if they're holding that pace this year, that's not good enough. There was supposed to be massive improvement this year. They added more wins above replacement than any team in the league. So I just, I'm, I'm tired of it. He's the third longest tenured coach in the league. And I've never seen a redeeming trait about him as a coach in terms of the on ice play. I don't care how good of a teacher he is in the background. I don't care how much the players like him that we're at the point now where he's actively hurting the future of this team, because look at Anthony Mantha's bad habits that have crept into his game. He's been garbage the first six games. Like, unless he's battling an illness or a sickness, it's on the coach to get him going. Plain and simple. I mean, you can argue, well, Larkin and Bertuzzi and Zadina have gotten better under his tenure. Those those guys are highly skilled. They're the best players on the team. Of course they were going to get better. You can't praise Blashill every time a good player gets good. I'm sorry. I just, I don't see the player development. Who's the guy that wasn't expected to be great that got good under Blashill? Michael Rasmussen? No. Taro Hirose, No. Dennis Chalosky? No. You can make a case for Philip Horonik, sure, but the first six games of this season, Philip Horonik's looked pretty bad. He's regressed, so that's a no. Uh, The goalies? Sure, because he's given them a lot of work. I mean, that's a lot of words to say. I am done with Blashell as the coach. I don't care how you feel about tanking and him leading us to a better pick this year, doesn't matter. He's legitimately doing long-term damage to this team now, and and it's it's been over five goddamn years of this. I, I'm almost at the point. I don't think no matter how the rest of the season goes, my opinion is going to change because unless I see something absolutely dramatic change in his philosophy, his everything like his lineups, his systems, his freaking uh, personnel decisions. Until I see everything change, I don't I don't see a way out.
1: And that was Brad's Mike Milbury eleven minutes. So thank you all for uh, tuning into that.
2: No, uh, <laughs> that was pent up for a while. I was I was trying to not I was trying to not do that like two games into the season or three games into the season, and everybody would just be like, Brad, come on, you got to give more than six games. Well, no, no, I don't. Not anymore. It's been five years. No.
0: The worst part about Red Wings hockey is how boring it is. If we were playing running gun. Um, like just no defense like six (laughs) five games i would feel a lot better about the team at at least for scoring at least it's interesting you know but it's like six two today i don't remember the other scores because that's how bad the games were i don't remember what the scores were because they're so boring so it's really tough to watch
1: yeah First I feel aim. like our
0: discord is just a support group at this point during the games. It's like we it's one person talks and everybody listens and then we try to comfort <laughs> them out of their depression.
1: I'm in it just for the Evan memes, honestly <laughs> but yeah, but the too. thing is,
2: Evan's complaining about boring, which objectively is just an entertainment complaint. It's not. This is what Blashill coaches to low event hockey, and there is some logic to that when you have a, a weak team again try something else i would love to see zadina and bobby ryan and dylan larkin and anthony mantha flex their offensive creativity and lose every game five four i'm totally okay with that you can teach defensive systems let's not beat the creati- creativity out of these players before they even get a chance to develop
1: it at the nhl level um speaking of entertainment how could you be bored when mickey redmond says bitching on live tv I love that. He, Mickey Redman <laughs> has run out of fucks to give. Like, he is just all out. He does not care and is hysterical. What was it? Zadorov was bitching at the referee. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, Mick, I love you.
2: Mick is going to get us through this
1: season. Uh, honestly, him and uh, Ken Daniels, I think it was, uh, who was it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ken Daniels goes, Nielsen has scored a lot in his career. Mick goes, not in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He is our spirit animal.
1: (laughs) Honestly, those two are going to get us through the season. Yeah, the first game, the only nice thing that happened was besides legitimately the Mickey Redmond making us all laugh was Larkin scored a beautiful goal like towards the end of the game. Nothing else happened. And then the next game, I was like, well, that was a really shit game. Like, that was a terrible effort. They have to come out and do something different. And like Brad very eloquently put to you, and I'm not even saying that ironically, Brad, you hit a lot of points there. It was a terrible effort all around. I thought the Bertuzzi, Larkin, Brome line looked good. And that's not surprising because Larkin has been consistently good for Detroit. And Bertuzzi and Brome work super well together, as we've seen um mantha was awful a goal was directly his fault today and yeah i agree with you brad a lot of that does go on Blashill, hill but provided that there isn't something that we're not seeing here like an injury or an illness or something else mantha has to own this too you just signed a contract for big boy money and you made a public statement talking about how you want to earn more. Go out there, play like a big, the big man that you are, and dominate play like we've seen you do. Anthony Mantha should be held to a higher standard than other Red Wings players because he is objectively the most skilled player on the Red Wings. And he should not be worse than uh, Matias Brome out there. And that's not a knock on Brome.
2: But again, Brome is not a game changer, and it's a testament to Anthony Mantha's skill and who Anthony Mantha is as a player and why we hold him to such high standards that he has played the six worst games of his professional hockey career and he still has three points. Like, he has the talent. And again, it's on him. Of course it's on him. It's on him more than it's on Blash Hill to get going. If he is this like cripplingly hurt or sick or whatever. Okay. Maybe he needs to rest a few games. Fine. We know this season doesn't matter. I'd rather have a hundred percent of Anthony Mantha for 40 games than 50% of Anthony Mantha for 56 games. And he's looked like 50% of Anthony Mantha, which hey, coincidentally he's got 0.5 points per game, which is, we all thought he might hit a point per game this year. So, Hey, very on brand. Um, yeah. Just, I don't know what's wrong with him because again, it can't just be an effort thing because why wasn't this part of his game for the last four years? This is new. And that's the concerning part because part of it, part of me for the first three, four games was like, no, 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 it's not effort. It's not effort. It's not effort. It can't be effort. After six games, uh, if it was illness or injury, I would have expected that to have improved by now. It hasn't.
1: I'm going to jump back here to Blashill because, you know, mostly, Brad, we skate past this question when you bring it up. Um, but I think it's worth bringing it up now. Like, Blashill, we said before the season that his test is not, or, or his target was not to become a playoff team or win anything significant. It was legitimately just to bring this roster to a point where the win column and the performance on the ice reflected the changes that Steve Eisenman made to the roster in the offseason, which, as you said, Brad, they improved it a lot addition by subtraction and also filling in a lot of holes with sufficient players. Are they all stars? No, of course we're going to have, we have the, uh, the next heart trophy winner, Bobby Ryan on the team. But besides that, these are players who can just play up to speed, who can play passable hockey and not be completely decrepit. Like Detroit has had in the past. And like they continue to have with, you know, the Franz Nielsen types, that's Blaschel's test. I'm still saying at six games in, In theory, it can change, but every single day and and today more than any other day in Blasio's tenure, I have moved towards he is not going to change. He is not going to get better at this. I don't see a solution or a long-term future with him in Detroit. If Eisman wanted to wait till the end of the season, I would not be surprised and I wouldn't even blame him. But if he did it now, I would... This sounds like a a footing around the question or like fence sitting. If he waited, I wouldn't blame him, but if he, if if Eisenman fired Blashill now, I would be in support of it. For the reasons Brad stated. I, I, I'm not actively calling for it, but at this point, I'm not inspired by it, and I don't think my mind's going to change. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen now. If I, I expect him to
2: finish the season with the Red Wings, as, as disappointing as that is, Eisenman's proven to be very, very patient most of the time for the good. So, yeah, take the good with the bad when it comes to someone who's very very patient um it's just it's just hard because if if there's one of those situations and you're like well yeah Blashill's not a great coach but it's a right off season and really who's sitting out there fine you go with the evil you have versus the evil you don't um gerard galant still sitting out there
0: mike babcock says he's looking for another position <laughs> oh, well, we're gonna
2: get into that later but um I don't know. It's just uh, not that I'm I'm not even going to go in about Gerard Gallant specifically, but I'm going to talk about him because of what he is as a coach to me is exactly what the Red Wings are. When he inherited, when he got hired to the expansion Vegas Golden Knights, that team overachieved. There's no question about it. They were better on paper than we gave them credit for. So the fact that they were good shouldn't have been all that surprising, but they weren't Stanley cup finals. Good. I don't care what anybody says. They weren't that good. And what Gallant is, is what I want the Red Wings to be. Hyper aggressive, two-man forecheck, quick transitions, hounding the puck constantly, just a catastrophic pain in the ass to play against. That's what I want the Red Wings to be. If you can't have skill, be a pain in the ass. The Red Wings are neither right now, and that's a problem.
1: Evan, where do you fall on it?
0: Babcock, do you want to see him stay out the season? i'm already dead inside so uh (laughs) nothing else can really hurt me at this point um the red wings do have a better points percentage than they did last year although it's very apples to oranges in terms of sample size um but uh what brad what do you want the
1: the bills are playing so anything anytime brad reacts visually it's a bills thing 10 nothing well nine nothing buffalo
0: Oh well, then we we have to keep podcasting until the game's over. At this point, yeah, we
2: can't. We can't. It's it's good. You luck. Can't, can't watch. You can't watch the Bender game tonight. now.
0: It's going to be a six-hour episode because football games are f- <laughs> way, way too long. Oh, the render time on the video. No. <laughs> um. What was I saying? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe I'm just so indifferent on the subject. I just I have no opinion. But i don't see how jeff blashell could be a coach to push this team as they become better i I just i don't see it right now maybe that's because he's always had a bad team and it's always been losing and it's been painful but you've seen what some of the coaches out there who don't have a team or a job right now have done with previous teams who overachieved so it's tough um I just, I just really wish it wasn't so boring and painful to watch. And if bringing in another coach changes the system to at least be somewhat entertaining and we see some creativity out there and some risk, um, I would be for that. So if that means getting rid of Blashell, then I would be for that. My
1: only thing is, um, Brad talked about the power play before and in, in referenced Prashant's thread, which I'm happy about, because my feeling on the power play right now is that whenever it works, it's an accident. Like at best, it literally was. So look at, um, I forget what goal of the game. It was,
2: I believe the second goal of the game, Tyler Bertuzzi's power play goal today. That's going to get a tick on the stat sheet and every once in a while you get lucky. So I understand that's part of all power play percentages. That was a horrific play that they got lucky. It was a bad entry that was recovered by Larkin. It was bad half wall play where Larkin was able to spin out of it and make the keep the play alive and get it back to Heronic at the point. That was a piss poor point shot and decision to take that point shot. And it was bad rebound control by the goalie. And it literally just happened to land on Bertuzzi's stick as he was cruising by. Like great, good on Larkin to keep the play alive and good on Bertuzzi to be Johnny on the spot. But everything about that play, 99 out of 100 times doesn't result in a goal. It's yeah. just it like Ryan, you phrased it perfectly. That was an accidental power play goal. Every time the Red Wings have the wall, the puck on the half on the power play. I want everybody to pay attention to this because it's happened about a thousand percent of the time. Normally it's Mantha who's the trigger man on that side. He has the puck and he doesn't have the shooting lane. Look across the ice. He doesn't have a passing lane. When Larkin has it on the other side, look across the ice, he doesn't have a passing lane. A, that's the power play structure because they're not manufacturing offense, which is a a phrase that gets used in football a lot, but it it applies in hockey as well. They need to manufacture offense when you have a low-skill team. They don't. They don't move. They're in the wrong spots. They don't even utilize the bumper. They might as well just throw two guys on top of the crease at this point. That bumper guy, he's there, but he's not. And this is where handedness matters. If you're going to run the power play off the right half wall, you need a right shot in the bumper and they don't do it. Not that they have a ton of right shot op- options, but still. If you don't have a right shot option, cool. Run it off the left half wall. It's it's everything about their power play is just flawed.
1: Everything. So all of it is run, the power play is run by Dan Bylsma, And that's why I think if the coach is going to be replaced, I want the new coach to have you know carte blanche on on his staff i don't want it to be dan bilesma comes in as the interim or i don't want it to be they come in a new coach but keeps the assistance much the same as the lions i feel like the red wings coaching staff needs a reset you know at this point bring in dan campbell and have him bite some kneecaps i don't know what the solution is yeah i'm sorry about that by the way you know i i've embraced it (laughs) <laughs> I really have I'm just like yes it's insane but screw it it's hilarious embrace the chaos what else do I have Brad fair enough this is fair the the uh, I just the, Matt St- I have Matt Stafford's jersey hanging in front of me and every time I look at it it makes me sad all I have are cheap pot shots at Packers fans and a head coach who for better or for worse has everyone trying to you know run through a wall for him and he hasn't even coached a single game for the Lions yet so yeah, screw it I want a Mike Milbury minute to talk about Mike Babcock.
0: Okay. Oh, this will be good.
1: <sighs> Who's going to time it? This is
0: Ryan's favorite topic. I'm pulling yeah. it up
1: as we speak. Oh, boy. I'm oh, we've my got my a best.
0: timer at the bottom of uh, Squadcast. We can use. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm ready whenever. I'll hold it up to the camera for you, Ryan. All right. Mike Babcock today made his return to the hockey world on NBC Sports, uh, where he basically read out a script, which was his, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but not sorry, but forgive me speech that he had in the Pierre Lebrun article. Look, for the people who are screaming, oh, SJW cancel culture, which surprisingly, there weren't a lot of out there on Twitter. So I'm actually kind of happy about that. It is not about the fact that Mike Babcock should never be allowed the return to the hockey world. No, I agree. The guy's a great hockey mind and has something to offer. there needs to be contrition and there needs to be recognition of what he's done. They didn't even say Johann Franzen's name on the broadcast, and the way he framed it was such a gross mischaracterization of what happened, instead making it as if the Mike Commodore types were complaining about ice time, and that was the only issue with Babcock that Babcock had uh, as he was a coach. Chris Chelios and Johan Franz and independently corroborated the mental torment that he put Franz under. This is completely aside from what he did in Toronto. I know my minute is up, but I'm going to keep going. Mike Babcock, it's, it's not about, oh, we can never have Mike Babcock. We, I never want to see him again. He is gaslighting us. This is gaslighting as if there was never an issue. I, you guys know, the listeners know, I don't like taking hard opinions on, on this. You get People get shitty in comments and they send shitty DMs. It's genuinely not worth my time. But for someone like Mike Babcock to come in and have such a bullshit, weak apology, it's not even an apology. There's not even the recognition of what he did. It, everyone who facilitates that is complicit in it. And it's just bad. It's bad for the game. It's bad for the worst parts of hockey culture. It's just bad. Mike You understand that you've done something wrong. That much is is clear enough. Own up to it. Recognize what you've done. You, You can't just say to everyone, hey, I forgive myself. We're all good. That's not good enough. It's just flat out not good enough. And for NBC to trot him out after getting rid of Mike Milbury for obvious reasons, like, oh my goodness. I wish one day I could be surprised by the stupidity of the people who make these decisions. But wow, it was just I felt so I felt so bad for Johan Franzen and watching Mike Babcock go out there and, and talk to fans like nothing was wrong. And the the, this, the cherry on top, the bullshit cherry on top was that this game was taken from Ken and Mick and made a nationally broadcast game. So we didn't have Ken. We didn't even have Kevin, uh, Ken and Mick to bring us through these games. I'm sorry. That was a Mike Milbury three minutes, but fuck.
0: I totally understand know why mbc brought in mike babcock why the hell wouldn't you because he's a shit bag they don't care about that yeah it seems to be their thing honestly that's that they are all about the views that's at the end of the day that's all that matters and maybe this will lower viewers over time only that will tell but having mike babcock there makes people tune in and it it's not for the right reasons and i i can understand why people are mad and like he's a he's pretty good pretty he's a sociopath for sure (laughs) i saw that going (laughs) around twitter today he has to be a sociopath Like, but yeah i i would tune in i didn't because you know i was out on the out on the lake out on the odr yeah i was out on the odr um yeah i it it may I I can it makes sense to me why they did it, it, but it's not for the right reason.
2: No, and and Ryan's right. If Mike Babcock went on the broadcast day, which as an aside, maybe a Red Wings game wasn't the best one to start him on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking today
0: too. <laughs> but
2: but either way, if he came on and just a thousand percent owned up to everything and issued a sincere apology, and he's like, "Yeah, I was an absolutely terrible person, and if I could take it all back, I would, but I can't, so I have to." best I can do is try to be a good person from this day forward. Fine, I'll take it. I I'm, I'm all for second chances. And let's be honest, Mike Babcock's a very bright hockey mind. If he wasn't a shitbag, I would love to hear his insight on hockey games. He's a guy who will actually ha- who should actually have good opinions and good insight into the goings on in whatever game he's covering that day. Like nobody has ever questioned Mike Babcock the hockey brain. He's just a shit bag. And now we have to deal with another shitbag. At least it's an upgrade over Mike Milbury. He was a shitbag and a moron. So, you know, I guess we got that going for us. Um Yeah, the hockey takes got better, at least. Yeah, so it's it's just stupid. I couldn't believe they did this. I could like I can't say I couldn't believe they did this, but Hey, the the TV contract's up soon. Maybe we'll see uh Fox Sports or an ESPN here, and uh, we'll be at least a little lighter on the
0: the Babcock for <laughs> the coming the, seasons. The, the, like the whole thing, like it could it would have been so much easier and so less dragged out with this sob piece by LeBron and all this other this parade route of I'll say air quotes Apolo- the apology tour. If he had just said what you said, Brad, like it could have been done today and. 30 15 to 30 seconds and everyone would have probably moved on for the most part but it's like the continue like like um just you know making him sound like the victim and all that crap it's like it's so ridiculous and it's just but i'm not surprised because he's such a stubborn person like everybody knows that from his coaching personality why wouldn't that transform or transfer over to everything else like it's just it's just so like just 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 say sorry, that's literally all you have to do and he can't do it, which is the craziest part. My hot
1: take is that he either does exactly what you guys said, or I genuinely truly mean
0: it when I say I would have preferred him to have not addressed it at all. My hot take is he's not sorry. No, he's not of course he's not. Like, like he's not because when you listen to him talk, it's basically all about winning. Whatever he can do he or that he thinks he can do, to maximize a team or a player, he'll do it. So if he thinks, you know, putting Mitch Marner in a room and, like, saying, tell me who you think has terrible work ethic or worse work ethic than you, and then rats out those players to try and raise them up or, like, tries to squeeze more to friends by being a complete douche canoe, like, he he, I don't think he had a limit. Like, I actually think he feels like that was what he should have done. Everything
2: you just said. Plus this stuff with Mike Medano and oh like, Commodore God, we didn't and even Chris get into Chelios. And like, it, it was a joke on Twitter, but this is, he is a textbook sociopath. The it's Commodore all about the mean the, and it's all about the win. This the is, Commodore,
0: okay, you finish your yeah,
2: point. This is
0: textbook sociopathic behavior. I'm like, just saying. Like The Commodore one for me is the pettiest because... He basically like wanted Mike to come and like he obviously wouldn't have come if he like wasn't over Mike Babcock being a douche. And he was like he was over it. So he came to Detroit and then Mike Babcock like rekindled it because he wasn't over their feud, which is like the most like petty playground bullshit Oh, and let's imaginable. Not forget, let's not forget the Jason's Betsa thing in Toronto too.
2: Yeah. Just absolute Luna, psychopath sociopath just i hope he's a sociopath because if not he might be the biggest like asshole in the <laughs> history of humanity
1: i there's a there's a crowd of people who are who have been responding some of them more aggressively than others uh i love <laughs> my favorite reply today was uh esther cancel culture mobster i was like <laughs> it's oh, me. This,
0: will, this is right up your alley right yeah
1: it's me the mobster <laughs> um the the response I've been getting is like no, that's just tough coaching. No, if you want tough coaching, the, epi- the 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 epitome of doing what Evan said, which is anything you need to to win, but walking the line of maintaining humanity, look none other than who Brad referred to in Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman was the textbook example of that, and there, it's not an easy line to walk. I'm sure there's people who would complain about Scotty Bowman's methods, but do you see what's what's been happening with Mike Babcock coming out about Scotty Bowman? No.
0: All of even this. Mike Keenan, like he was like one of the mass. If there was like the the Mount Rushmore of mind games, he's up there with Scotty Bowman, mm-hmm. and Mike. Uh, thank God Mike Keenan play, uh, coached in Russia forever. Otherwise, <laughs> he he would never be able to show his face in uh, hockey again. But he w- he's by every account an asshole. But it, he you know tiptoed that line. Probably crossed it more times than not. But he he, he at least like. Was, wasn't was on this parade of apologies and all this crap like it's just it I think we all I think most of us all fit in the same boat where we just roll our eyes when we see this and are just disgusted by it but yeah yeah
1: nobody should misconstrue this like I I mean it when I say like I'm not trying to hedge I'm not trying to walk anything back I mean it when I say like my goal here in talking about this on the podcast and being angry about it and doing the whole Mike Milbury minute it's not so to to build a voice to get Mike Babcock out of our faces and off the screen and he should go away forever. No, that's legitimately not it. It's that if if he makes the choice to want to return to hockey, which is a public sphere, I'm sorry, but you have to go through the paces of recognizing what you did that was wrong, making amends and show growth. I am just like Brad, all four second chances. I don't want, you know, you know, Mike Babcock gone forever just to blow whatever. That's not it. I'm not interested in that. I don't think I'm the moral arbiter of the ultimate truth or, or I'm not. We're not some purity test or anything like that. But if you make a tangible wrong multiple in the ways that you did and I'm not even talking about playing, you know, Austin Matthews less than 20 minutes in game seven of a playoff series that you needed to win. Like I'm talking human mistakes in a sport. I'm it, you it's embarrassing for you I'm sure Mike but you got to go through the paces but you know what he's been given the co- he's been given the uh the free pass around all those steps straight to forgiveness there's been nothing else in between it was a mistake straight to forgiveness and that's what we all have to accept now
0: god so, I wish I got that more
2: often yeah it'd be great and the rise and fall and redemption tour of Mike Babcock all happened in Jeff Blashill's tenure as the Red Wings coach <laughs> who saw that coming <laughs>
0: it's oh. like inception right now there's like these like we're going into a deeper level all the time <laughs> and i don't know what level we're on anymore but i just want to wake up
1: <laughs> in before uh Blashill fires biles mine hires babcock as an assistant coach <laughs> oh, <can you> imagine? <laughs> oh my goodness well so in, in, i'm gonna do my best to not hashtag read the comments on this one because i know there's people who just won't
0: well, did, oh yeah no did babcock interview for a team this washington. offseason Cap- was yeah. A, yeah washington yeah. he'll be back he's gonna coach again oh, so for sure
1: yeah and that's another thing for the people like you just want to cancel him no mike babcock will be bad we all back we all accept that anyways anyways that's enough let's move on to just be a
0: nice him. person well just don't be be decent hot take, be decent. you don't hot have to be take, good evan you <laughs> mop be, be average you know all right let's move on
1: to um overtime here uh Overtime is brought to you by our Winged Wheel podcast patrons. They're the ones who give us the space and the time to uh, scream until we're red in the face. So thank you all. And we're going to read out their comments uh, on air as our way of saying thank you. We're gonna start with a j Voss who says uh, typing during the game so it might not age very well, but Man Nemesnikov mesnikov is so snake bit it hurts uh at the time of writing he has zero points for the season, but in every game he's looked good and has had chances um he's created a lot of chances for other guys as well just hasn't been able to get anything to go for one reason or another. There's been flashes where I thought Nemesnikov mesnikov looked effective, but I don't think he's been particularly spectacular um He's a new guy on the team, and I I wouldn't be surprised to see it come through for him. I'm going to withhold judgment. But, yeah, I, I've been – it's not an ugly zero-point effort so far.
2: Yeah, he's had his uh, Darren Hell moments um, of goals that should have been goals but somehow weren't. Um, again, he's he's handcuffed by the system, and he's not a player who's skilled enough to – generate on his own kind of like grab the puck and and will a chance to happen like a larkin or a mantha ken when he's on so it, it is what it is he'll he'll get his chances they won't be often but
1: more so than at least half the forwards on this team uh evans bingo card says is it too early to say that stall could be slash is worse than Daly or erickson were dude is lost in the d zone is good for two to three bad pinches every game that allow odd men rushes uh just saying let's try something else maybe but hey we got a power play goal so that's a positive oh and let's not forget firk might mike pepcock
2: (sighs) Uh, i don't know if i'm gonna say he was worse that's a pretty high bar to clear but uh, the fact that it's even in the conversation is, uh, is a rough conversation after six
1: games. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Hadel says, Babcock's a douche. That is all. Uh, Lauren T says, I know I'm not the only one who thinks having Babcock join in on the pregame commentary was a complete slap in the face. It's completely inappropriate that he's allowed to come back and do his little remorse and goodwill tour when he's showing neither. Anyways, like being back uh, to division rivals with Chicago, but also hate being run over by them. Anyways, Firk the Black- Blackhawks, when do you think Blash gets fired?
2: He doesn't. Oh, Blash. I thought you said Babs. Uh, yeah. Blash. I don't know. I'm, I'm still guessing offseason. Offseason is what my guess would be.
0: Unless the Red Wings go on like an 0-7 streak or something crazy. They're lining up yeah. for one. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, we'll, beat, we'll beat Tampa and Dallas back to back or something.
2: Oh, like of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get out uh, shot 40-17. to Thomas Grace will make 39 saves and the Red Wings will win 2-1. I We've seen this script before.
1: Antonio Gracias says, help me understand. I get that Dubois is a good player, but after seeing him float and not caring until Torts benched him, why would a team clamor to sign him? I feel like he's one spat with the coach away from demanding a trade and throwing a fit unless until he's moved. Unless I'm missing something, I don't know. I would want someone on my team if they were willing to just give up like that and pout until they get their way. I know he and Torts didn't get along well, but is there something more going on that I'm not aware of? P.S. Firk Mike Babcock. Uh, probably, but I don't think we'll ever know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the gist of it. You'd you'd have to boil it down to just the torts thing for now because that's the only thing we can say. Jeremiah Dobos has fired the entire coaching staff and Babcock again just for the hell of it. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, Michael Thompson says as much as I enjoy the Fratelli's I've heard Chelsea dagger enough this weekend Uh, I know we don't have the talent to execute high end plays these blind passes to nobody slash empty space are infuriating I know we're not good but the lack of basic execution uh, and semblance of any kind of system or structure is horrifying with hashtag these trying times I didn't think a coaching change midseason would be much of a reality but this trend is inexcusable the one bright spot has been the FSD broadcast coming unhinged throwing mad shade and having a bitching time. But now even today, that was taken from us and we got to see Ascot covering it. Michael, you nailed it, buddy. Uh, Michael Barry says, Hey guys, hope you're doing okay uh, and that the Bills win. Anyways, there was a report that the Olympics might be canceled. If that's the case, would you be in favor of delaying the season in order for players to get the vaccine? Also, delaying the draft is stupid.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'd rather have a full league vaccinated a month or two behind. Just, I mean look at how off the rails the season's already gone and we're not even seven games in. So, yeah, it it depends. Now, that being said, I, I've seen projections where some people think like th- there's going to be enough of a vaccine rollout uh, by the end of September where we'll be close to life as normal. Um, so I'm still taking the optimistic approach by that because generally on these projections, they err on the side of caution. So if... if everything overperforms maybe we get lucky but again i'm not an epidemiologist i have no idea how this shit works but yeah if if it comes down to delaying the season a month to get the players vaccinated fine
1: i'm a thousand percent for it uh jeff layman says it's currently 2 p.m the game starts soon right because it looks like our defense is just trying to run drills but not taking it very seriously edit so it's 6-2 isn't there a football game on i think that'll be more fun (laughs) it was Uh Harun Khan says, "Hey guys, I'm actually confused when people say Blashill's growing with the team. That's like saying my math prof- my math professor is learning math and teaching me at the same time. It makes me question: Are the Red Wings just bad, or are they bad because of the systems they use? Is Mantha stagnating or hitting a plateau in his development? Because that's uh, who he is. Or is it Blashill's system? What about Athanasiu Tatar Svet- uh, Svechnikov Cholosky?" This is upsetting because sucking for years, you'd hope to see some improvement from a coach who's supposedly growing with the team, but all he's doing is holding Mantha and Larkin in the young core. We do have in taking the value of the older players. Thanks guys. And let's go Red Wings.
2: Yeah. And what was athed you four points in four games to start with LA?
1: Just saying, uh, Evan Beckner says, just turned the game off after goal four for the Hawks. I've always scoffed a bit at Brad complaining about Blash Hill, but I think these last few games have finally flipped me. Team lacks talent, sure, but now lack emotion, consistency, effort, and just about every other attribute a successful team needs to compete. I'm all for sacking Blash just to get some fresh air and maybe light a fire under some of these guys. Uh, Alex uh, Pobocic says, I think it may be time for Anthony Mantha to start punching people again. (laughs) Well, let's not get crazy. Come on now uh sean maybe that was the source of his strength honestly every every punch was 10 goals but every punch had a one in three chance of hurting him
2: (laughs) (laughs) so two punches 20 goal season we're happy
1: (laughs) yeah sean chaparella says hey guys it's one step forward two steps back for the team for me the big takeaway after this weekend is how much better the team is with merrill zadina and fabry hopefully these pieces are ones we keep for a few more years but we still have a lot of old rot that holds the team back now for something less depressing, I adopted a cat this weekend and I'm not creative. Any name suggestions for a female cat that can be wings related? Aggressive people names. Like I'm talking name your cat, Terry Sawchuk. Oh God. <laughs> don't even make it like, who cares about the gender of the name or the gender of the cat? Like literally name your cat. Like, I don't know. Chris Anthony
2: Meowtha. That's actually really good. I like that. <laughs> that's my contribution i have nothing else name your cat evan
1: i'll give you five dollars name your cat evan
2: <laughs> Evan, what's your Let's cat's actual name alfie what do you call him fred okay name him <laughs> alfie <laughs> yeah
1: and call him fred uh or name him fred
2: th- call him alfie
1: yeah that would be good too besides that anthony Meowtha would be good although people would think it's after a pokemon that also works yeah, that's true. Ghost of Podcast Pass says, guys, I know why Mantha has been terrible. I have two fantasy hockey teams, and for the last round of each of them, I drafted Mantha. Obviously, I can't be happy, and the hockey gods know this. So they made Mantha suck. I'll drop him on both teams right away. Hold Thank on. You for your Going back advice. to
2: the last question. Sorry, timeout. Tyler pertuzzi Brad,
1: that's your best work. <laughs> it really is. Um,. Rob Byram says, guys, I'm seriously starting to be annoyed by Mantha. I think he's seeing what uh, Dubois did and is trying to get his ass shipped out of town. What kind of return do you think we can get for him? Sick of the not trying. Um,
2: he's about on par with Dubois in terms of skill. So Patrick
1: Line, I trade him to Columbus. Uh, I'm... <laughs> look we've talked about it before yeah you know what we'll save the mantha trade hypotheticals for a future episode uh joe delia says sup guys i'm over it when's the draft <laughs> we don't <laughs> we know don't there's rumors i don't it know no <laughs> liz b asks, who are they going to pick at fifth overall uh matt bennears is my answer uh darren helm Stand club says well after a 500 start the light was shining after this weekend it is a stark reminder we're still very far from the end of the tunnel terrible way to spend my birthday hey happy birthday uh also is something mythic is something missing maybe some upper tier player with leadership defensive ability and experience i just feel like watching these games have been off hashtag number 43 forever uh yakaruta says must go i don't really care who replaces him this can't go on uh, Manitoban Machine Never Breaks says who the hell is uh, Pius Suter
2: uh,
1: y- yes is it Pius or Pius I've heard them s-
2: Okay, uh, he Pius? played in the OHL for a while and I always heard Pius Suter and uh, now all of a sudden it was Pius on Pius NBC
1: Suter. so I have no friggin clue Pius Suter. just say Pius Suter. that's how he says his name uh, Red Wings Relativity Scale says holy hell can Stevie Bagscape Blash and Mantha is that allowed <laughs> again again uh jake nagy says last week we were feeling good so i asked a question to bring us back down to earth this week we're all miserable after watching this dumpster fire led by blast show, so i'm asking us a question to cheer us up which three nhl players are you most excited to see get demolished by a mo sider hit i hope he says brad marchand through the glass and into the crowd next week. <laughs> uh,
0: um cory perry step right up Corey perry is very
1: high on that list that is for damn sure Quinn Hughes because even though it's not even the same draft narrative but just because it's funny uh I almost posted the tweet of Quinn Hughes getting walked and having his ankles broken and falling over but I held back because I actually really like Quinn Hughes and I felt a little it's not his fault. He's a defenseman. it's gonna happen every defense welcome to
2: point. the NHL basically yeah um I'll, I'll say Corey Perry uh, Kirby Doc, just because he's already had a thing in the rookie tournament with Kirby Doc and he was making him his bitch then. So it'd be very pro keeping that going. And
1: I'm just trying to pick uh, John Tavares just for funsies. Um, okay, we're going to move on here to Linda Hall who says, in all seriousness, where do the wings go from here? <laughs> uh, great question i don't have an answer for you
0: (laughs) i hate to say there's nowhere but up but i'm i'm not sure anymore
1: (laughs) the actual terry says i'm tired and have nothing snarky to say so is it me or are the wings simultaneously better than expected worse than expected and somehow exactly what i expected terry
2: (laughs) (laughs) accurate yes
1: wingnut says fire blashel. that is all uh caltroy red flames says if you guys haven't done a mike milbury minute in regards to the babcock bullshit that happened today i demand one but i imagine it'll have been covered in some fashion you know us too well Uh, Matt Stafford's dance is good day, dud duds. Uh, well, as I alluded to last episode, that familiar feeling of false hope has been replaced by the also familiar feeling of soul crushing despair. No, I'm not talking about the Red Wings, but about the fearless warrior. That is Matthew Stafford. We don't have enough time to delve into his many heroics and good deeds over the years, but what a legend. It also disgusts me to think that the NFL would continue to play its season during our period of mourning. Stafford deserves a ring. So I truly hope wherever he goes, he can achieve that. Jersey time. Favorite Lions jersey combo: Stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier Company. I love their current set, like love their current set, and I think their uh, throwback grays are great.
2: I'll, I'll agree with you about the current ones, but I'm not. I don't feel the the grays, not
1: for me. No, sorry, uh, I don't mean the grays. I mean the the plain blue with the gray slash silver number. I
2: should say. Oh. Eh. They're fine. You're rude. I didn't say they were bad. They're fine.
1: Jake Kiefer says the only thing getting me through this rebuild is knowing the Maple Leafs haven't won a cup since '67. And whatever cheap pot shots we have to take, we'll take them. Uh, Weekend at Bernier's says flashback to me uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, finally a weekend where we can call up Doc Brown and get in the DeLorean, and head back to the late '90s and two thousand, and early two thousands, and start asserting our dominance on the struggling Blackhawks once again. Me and this, me this afternoon. Well, that was a disaster. Babcock redemption tour is absolute trash. Uh, he should have made Mike Babcock more accountable for Mike Babcock's ash- actions. Only surprising thing is that we didn't hear Babcock talk about Babcock in the third person like Babcock usually does. <laughs> anyway, six I games. I
0: forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh
1: so bad uh six games in who on the roster has been your highlight and who has been your low light i'll give you a guess in my low light his name rhymes with schmanthony schmantha keep up the good work and excuse me while i go set up a folding table to jump through for the game tonight go bills
2: uh, the easy answer would be dylan larkin but this is honestly pretty much what i expected of dylan larkin this season so i'm gonna go Phillips zadina for the good anthony mantha for the bad
1: it's uh while evan's on mute i'll say it'll be anthony mantha for the low, it has to be and if not zadina brome i've been impressed by him yeah that's a good answer
0: damn it why was i on mute i said (laughs) (laughs) brome no one will ever know now though uh brome for the good um i didn't i honestly didn't think mark stall was going to be this bad (sighs) i i didn't expect anything and i i'm disappointed uh
2: low-key dark horse for the bad Heronic has not looked anywhere near
1: like himself. Bad start for Ronick. I, I I keep wanting it to go away, but bad start for Ronick. Um, elite first line center Luke Denning says, "Hey, fellas, no one should be surprised." Uh, five regulars out and no visible game plan present. This will be the norm until the COVID-listed players return. When they do, the best we can hope is for 500 hockey because Blash feels 60 minutes of low event hell is not a viable game plan. See Prashant's recent tweet breaking down the uh, power play. Uh, Eisenman said he expects the team to be competitive, but at this rate, Blash won't see April in Detroit. Certainly not Biosma. And what the hell does Doug Huda even do around here? Random thought. Do you think Mantha thought he might be traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Oh, I don't know. It's... I don't even know if Mantha was ever on the table.
2: Who knows? Well, They had to offer something because the the Red Wings did not have a Patrick Lione to offer, and Anthony Mantha was as close as we were going to get on that.
1: The Red Wings would not have been able to beat Lyonnais and Rosovic, and I would not have felt comfortable paying more than that.
2: Not without giving up a premium pick or a prospect, which,
1: given the Red Wings' state of the
2: rebuild, you want the, the younger, the better.
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to curling up the fetal position in my bathtub under a long, warm shower with a beer while listening to uh, Rem's Everybody Hurts and watching Matt Stafford highlights on repeat on my phone. (laughs) Stay fresh cheese bags. Mike Babcock and Tony D'Angelo can go drink each other. I have to start proofreading the end of your comments. Uh, but I agree. Mom, I'm ready to go to med school says, Hey boys. And Evan, I finally got her to becoming a patron. Well, thank you for becoming a patron.
0: And, um, for that sound bite, it's actually Ryan's mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's infiltrated the Patreon and she's just now harassing you through this Avenue. Either yeah, that or she's
1: paid off his brother. Yeah. The email address is my son is a disappointment at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> no question this week other than why does blash do these confusing things like fourth line starting the O zone? is he really this bad of a coach or his coaching philosophy is wrong or something else i mean according to everyone he's a smart hockey mind either way thanks for the pod guys fire blash and ryan i'll change my name next week maybe (laughs) thanks mom uh slava kozlov's doppelganger says well friday's Game just busted my first parlay ever. Thanks for the guaranteed win. Just a joke. I don't blame you. Now that I've been knocked down a few pegs of excitement, I'm in the same mentality as last season. Who is your favorite Rush, Russian prospect currently? Drafted, undrafted, already in the NHL, whatever you want.
0: Kirill Kaprazov. Um,
1: I mean, I'm just going to go way off the board just for the fun.
2: There's a guy who leads the MHL in uh, goals per game, and his name's Matvey Mitchkov. Yeah, uh, that's he, not off the board. He literally just turned 16, meaning he did most of this while he was 15 years old. He's putting up better numbers at this age than like top 10 picks have done in their draft year. Like, it's crazy. He's not eligible till 2023, I think. It's nuts.
1: Mitchkoff is uh, the right answer there in my mind. But if not, then Colson just because he was rumored to the Red Wings for so long that draft that I'm very curious to see how he develops.
0: Oh, is this supposed to be Red Wings related? No, no. No. Any Russian
1: prospect. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth. Oh, it's got a lot to say. Uh, That was great fun. Another thing that is fun is the third verse of the Muppet show. And it goes like this. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Maybe it's time to run this as the entrance music for Red Wing, the next Red Wings home game. I'm guessing by now you've been deep beating the deadest of dead horses, Coach Blashill, Evan with a nine iron, Brad at the invectives of an angry hockey man, and Ryan with the sarcasm of a black belt cynic. That's brilliant illustration of us. Uh, but for real, is there any reason any of the ever uh, in any of the ever-living hells that is Red Wings fandom where you can motivate keeping him on as head coach? Six years he's been here doing whatever it is Blashill does. I watch the games as often as possible, and I can't say what identity style or strategy of the team is besides low event lethargy. We just got trashed by a team that most of us talked about before the season as, yeah, we'll be bad, but we won't be Blackhawks bad. The Red Wings made Chicago look like contenders tonight. It's infuriating to watch this team drop pass themselves into oblivion. What are they waiting for? The next ice age so we won't have to bother with hockey anymore? Is there a strategy called dump and don't chase?
2: <laughs> hey, they they had a few good power play zone entries today, at least. And they didn't use the Detroit deep dish drop pass on any of them. It's, it's amazing. They tried something new and it worked. I didn't
0: <laughs> it's bizarre.
1: <laughs> it's cause they were like, oh, I haven't called us out. Now we can't do it anymore. It's embarrassing. No, they the didn't want to give us the, the sponsorship people. rates. <laughs> <laughs> uh he goes on to say blash has to go there's no excuses anymore seems like a nice enough guy but it's been six years of platitudes and we need to get the puck deep and work hard is more than enough do we really want him to uh, develop the young diamonds we have in the pipeline do we want niederbach raymond wallander Bergren, and the behemoth to hate hockey like mantha looked like he um, was today do we want Athanasiou, mantha and the chelosky treatment for the new batch on their way in uh no, give me Lambert Gronberg or Larry Onoff who loves the game like I love wings and pussy cats <laughs> because this shit is getting old. NBC makes me want to vomit and Babcock and piss right off. Lars, you truly are there's
0: a, a lot it. of truths in that in that comment. Um
1: time for some Reddit comments. HZ40 with a really good comment here. When will the pain end? Um the uh it's actually a trick question. The pain is constant, much like the universe. There never is A beginning, there never will be an end. That's the only thought I have. Matter Red says, how hot is Blashill's seat right now? Provided Gallant even wants to come back this season. Is it time to bring him in? Yes. In reality, the seat is warm. I wouldn't call it hot yet. As much as we can shout for it, I think he still has a lot of Eisenman's patience.
2: It is six games into the season. He does have time to turn this around. So given that Steve Eisenman relatively new to the scene in Detroit here under the Blashill tenure... We're sitting here with the experience of five years of this garbage. Eisenman's got a year and change of this. So realistically, it's not happening anytime soon,
1: even if it's a possibility. Russell 18 says, do you have any irrational hockey hatreds? Yeah, I mean, mine is when people say offsides, like drives me off the freaking wall.
0: Dude, I never noticed that people say said that until (laughs) you mentioned it. And now I hear it all the time it's I, it, yeah i thought I, I didn't know that was a real thing and now i hear it all the time I'm, it's an affliction it's, it's bad totally ruined my sense of reality yeah among other things but <laughs> i have so many
2: i couldn't possibly remember them all right off the top of my head right now but most traditional hockey platitudes set me right off i'll i won't even say all of them but i'll say most
1: uh all right evan think of a number from 1 to 35 35 divided by 7 is 5 okay zze0001 says what does taco have to do to be a regular over the aging vets so what does Horosi have to do to stay in this lineup
2: uh be good on the power play and be passable at five on five is what would be the standard on a normal hockey team uh given what history has taught us about how this regime makes lineup decisions he has to become a selkie contender within the next three and a half periods
1: uh question here from a first-time commenter gorsh kings has been listening for about two years now first time posting a question uh it's it's been asked and answered a million times i'm sure but what are your favorite red wings of all time and favorite non-red wings of all time favorite red wing of all
2: time for me is stevie so past and current Uh,
1: um bloodstrom my favorite Red Wing of all time is Brendan Shanahan, and yes, it does hurt that he's helping the Leafs. And, and favorite non Red
2: Wing of all time for me is Pavel Bure.
1: This answer switches for me a lot. I, I can't think of one single player that I love more than the rest. I don't know.
0: I'll say Sidney Crosby. Ew.
1: Well, that's gonna that's gonna get you some hate.
0: I don't care. That guy's been nasty his entire life.
1: Um. Who else do I love watching? Paul Carey is a great answer here, actually. Yeah,
2: that's a good answer.
1: Um, time for some a couple Twitter questions. Hashtag Ask WWPS. Peter uh, Andrianopoulos says, "Do you any of you guys have Gerard Gallant's phone number?" Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> if I'm- we did. We'd be calling him nonstop. He blocked my number, actually. Um, and Randy Zick says, uh, do you think Zadina's is going to get some more ice time during the power plays? He should be. He's generating some huge plays uh, Huge plays during 5-on-5. Five five. Is he due for more power play time?
2: Um, well, I would be replacing when if he was eligible to play right now, I would swap him and Mantha just for the hell of it to see what happens. They fill the same role, and Mantha sure as hell ain't doing it effectively right now, so might as well give Zadina." a look on the first unit won't happen, but I would like it to at least temporarily.
1: All right, guys with that, uh, we're going to release Brad to go watch his beloved Buffalo bills in their, uh, AFC conference championship. We're losing now.
2: So great timing.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'd like to thank you all for tuning in, all for tuning in and putting up with the mayhem and the uh, the red right in the faceness ness today. Uh, we'd like to thank our name level sponsors: Arjun Shanker, Eve uh, Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Taylor Tadgill, Kyle uh, Ryan Hubbard, uh, R.A. the Detroit Deep Dish Drop Pass, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Biggums. Uh, brand Big Old Bagadildos, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al Qasem, Sam Bankson, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pavavar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conet, Red Wings uh, Relativity Scale, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matt Keeler, Elite First Line Center, Luke Lindening antonio gracias john evans joseph Minema, quaz and stan Olson. thank you all so much uh we will talk to you midweek